Hey, hey, what's cracking, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Pop Muse, the pop music trivia show of your favorite stars. And for those of you joining us for the first time, we scour the internet and find lesser known facts about some of the big names, legends, megastars, or what I always say, some cool cats from the international and national stage to fill you in on. And let's see after this episode if you know as much as you think you know about some of these big icons in music. I'm TJ Reed, and I got my brother Yunchi in the studio. Man, what's going on? Pleasure hey to have guys, you. Guys, it's your boy Yunchi here again. So Yunchi, I'm gonna switch things up as I often do on the show, and I'm gonna introduce a Chinese star today. And I'm kind of a fan of this genre. It has a really different appeal, a different sound, and I like how this artist was able to kind of mix the Chinese element into it. And, okay, uh, so this artist is trying to incorporate or yeah. mix the, the Chinese traditional music right. sounds with uh, modern blues, jazzy, I don't know. Something like that. But I like how it was done and kind of a pioneer in what they do. So, uh, cool. yeah, I like to kind of drop this artist so that people from the outside get a feel for this musician. So what about you, man? Who do you got for us today? Well, I'm very glad that I did this artist for this time because I've learned just so much. This guy has such an eventful life. Okay. And, uh, I, th- I feel like I've done a dissertation on this guy's life story. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, it started with like four or five pages. Oh, geez. <laughs> and then went down to about two pages. Okay. Must do a lot. All right, all right. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing who it is, and hopefully I know who this person is. Oh, this is is. someone you know. Don't worry about that. (laughs) Okay, we'll find out. And for those of you listening, what we always do on the show is we like to drop a little disclaimer to cover ourselves in case we make any mistakes, because a lot of these facts we find online, some of them are not updated. Sometimes these sources could be possibly erroneous, so... We encourage our listeners to reach out, let us know how we're doing, fact check us if there's any inaccuracies. We look forward to hearing from you. So with that being said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and jump into my artist. I actually have a little bit less information about this artist, so I'm going to go ahead and just get with it. Let's save the entree for (laughs) the second half. All right, all right. So fact number one, and this is according to Last FM and Wikipedia. This artist is a Beijinger. All right. Um, He took up drawing at a really young age, and this also influenced his work later on in this musical career. Okay. Um, in 68, 1968, his family relocated to Manchuria, or present-day Dongbei, Heilongjiang, and um, moved back to Beijing in 1972. But because of this move, he didn't go to school until he was about 10 years old. Okay, so his, he was homeschooled for the most of the time? I'm not sure. It doesn't give any information on if he went to school at all, if he was okay. just kind of chilling at home. or. I would, guess, I would guess so. Otherwise, what would he be doing at home alone? Probably doing music, most likely. <laughs> A child prodigy. <laughs> well, here it says that he developed an interest in Beijing opera around eight years old. So I guess he was probably involved in that. He picked up a guitar in 1976. Uh, He was admitted into the Beijing School of Arts and Crafts, and he was first exposed to rock music. 
and he formed his first bands with his peers. So sounds like he's into quite a few things, art, obviously Peking or Beijing opera, right. and then, um, yeah, rock music. Doesn't say who his influences are, but let's uh, let's keep it going. Upon graduating with a degree in fine arts, he took a job teaching basic art at Beijing's, I think it says number 132 secondary school, wherever that is. Wow. Yeah, it's quite common to name the middle schools, primary schools in China with numbers. Yeah, I know. It sounds... Number one through, uh, <laughs> depends on the scale of the city, it could go to 100, like uh, a city like, as big as Beijing. Okay, okay. Um, but I guess he resigned about a year later because the school asked him to cut his hair. And so I think that's a huge no-no for, you know, those in the rock genre. They're just like, nah, man, I got to have my locks. This is, this is my identity. Right. So they asked him to cut it. And so that was the, I guess that was the deal breaker. And he quit. And uh, during that time, he began to focus more on his music career. So, um, yeah, pretty straightforward there. We're going to move on to fact number two. And this same sources, Last FM and Wikipedia. So this artist formed a band that I can't really name right now. Um, but I guess if I had to explain what it meant in English, it was called Roly Poly Toy. Okay. Roly Poly Toy. Okay. <laughs> nothing. Nothing remind. Nothing rings in my head. Yeah, I didn't think so. Um, this was a very short-lived band, uh, but I guess it featured a lot of musicians that would become significant figures in the ch early Chinese rock scene. Uh, and that band predominantly played uh, Japanese and Western rock songs. So I'm guessing okay. a lot of these stars might have been big influences for this artist. Again, it doesn't say which ones. Uh, in 87, he founded a hard rock glam metal band of his own and served as the group's lead vocalist through 88. So roughly okay. about a year. Uh, but he ended up quitting because I guess the band didn't provide a sufficient outlet for his artistic expression. Big band that I can't name because it was just... But this know, is another band. This Apart is a, from the poly, some moly <laughs> band. I guess this one formed afterwards. Okay. Okay. And it's a very famous band but I can't name it um, so that band that he left ended up releasing their eponymous debut album in 91 which featured the influential oh I don't even think I can say this guy's name because it's um, it's kind of a big deal so it's not him <laughs> yeah it's another guy um, but he's also very famous and I think we've covered him on the show at least if we didn't cover him on the show he we've talked about him on the show because so I looked him up they had a famous history I mean between these two artists these unnamed artists no they... no no he was the lead vocalist for this band that I'm not talking about okay. but when he left this guy replaced him and this guy, this guy, this replacer, he's quite famous. He dated a very famous Chinese singer that we mm. that we have covered on the show. Okay. All right, we're going to move on to fact number three. This artist was still in that band when he was introduced to a couple of Americans. And these guys wanted to join the band here in China. And they linked up and formed one in 88. So I guess these Americans noticed that this guy was a, a potential frontman. And then they began to form their band, which was established in February of 89. And here's where I kind of want to vindicate here that, you know, I mean, like we do for most episodes, bands are just trouble. I mean, it just people just cannot just stick it out. I mean, it just this. And I think for this band, there's just people coming and going nonstop. I mean, it it's was quite just, common because most uh, artists, musicians, they're quite they have a lot of personality. Yes. And it's very difficult for this group of people to 
kind of compromise with、mm. others' personality. No kidding. Yeah, this lineup didn't last that long. I would probably say about three or four months later, those American guys ended up having to leave the country after a highly publicized event. And with the band's hiatus, the lead singer composed one of his most famous songs called "The Sun."、Mm, okay. All right. So that might have been a big clue for some fans out there, but we're gonna move on to fact number four, and this is by Last FM again and Wikipedia. A few months after he returned to Beijing with the intent of continuing the band, and I guess he linked he linked up with a few other guys, and they played at the Festival of Modern Music or Xiandai Yingyue Hui, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's actually very close. <laughs> yeah, I I got it. I'm not sure about. Our audiences, but it's pretty good. Okay, all right. And in front of about eighteen thousand people, I guess the euphoria and the cheering reactions was a huge surprise to the band and the organizers. So people were just really in love with their sound. So a few months later, they opened at the nineteen、uh, ninety Asian Games at the Worker Stadium, and about a hundred thousand people were there. So、okay. after that,、good、that just the promoters, record execs, every, everyone had. Their eyes on this group, like okay, these guys can really open a show, and then from there, they、uh, the tremendous success that they got with that concert helped a record company in Taiwan to overcome their objections and ended up signing them to the record label, and they recorded about eleven songs. That first album, which was considered by many. China's first heavy metal album was released in 1992. Okay, I think I'm getting my first clue. Okay, all right, all right. According to statistics from that record company in Taiwan, there were about 700,000 legal copies sold and more than 1.3 million illegal ones, and of course, a lot of uncountable fake best of collections. So that's not a surprise given <laughs> the, the tape. Yeah, tape、uh, era, right? Because it's something that's easily that can be easily <laughs> copied. Copied, right? I guess these guys were they were able to make some money, but I mean, yeah, there's a lot of pirating going on. But anyway, we're gonna move on to fact number five, and this is from the same sources. This group toured internationally over the next few years, playing in Germany, Japan, and then they also came back and toured in Hong Kong. During this time, the lead singer and another prominent member both were dealing with some serious substance addictions, and so that was a big problem for the band. And in 1995, they suffered a severe blow when one of the members was killed in a motorcycle accident. I guess this guy was riding his bike, and it collided with a like a, I don't know if it was a semi truck or just a huge truck just hit him. And、um, wow, yeah, I guess the intersection was dimly lit, so maybe he didn't see the, the the cyclist, and just he just got hit. So it's um yeah, really unfortunate. And that did he survive from the accident? I think they tried to resuscitate him, but he um he he didn't make it. Wow, you know, so it's a、uh, really unfortunate. Fans, uh, the record label. Um, of course, other、um, band members were devastated, and so after that, after the loss of this band member, I guess the band wasn't really the same. They made a, a tribute album to him, and、um, of course, he was replaced by another guy for the bass. 
But anyway, um, again, more members left and came. The One of the Americans that was uh, originally with the band came back to replace the guitarist and then he left again and then and finally the lead the lead singer eventually kicked his addiction and the band subsequently released their second album called epic and this was on jing one records in december 1998 and a few months later the american left again because there was a political argument that he had with the lead singer <laughs> so different political views a different political problem and that tore those guys apart okay, and it has nothing um, to do with your music career but still okay <laughs> well it does because i mean if you're if your okay, band yeah, members keep it. leaving you, you got to voice your your opinions through your music right well yeah i i think that yeah i'm not sure i think that sometimes when you're directly related or involved with uh, something that happens, then it could trickle down to you know your presence being on the band or or performing, right? I mean, if you're if tensions are high and you're from a country that you know was the cause of it, then you could be a problem when you go on stage. You know what I mean? It was about the United States bombing of the Chinese embassy in Belgrade, so that's why they had a disagreement about that conversation, and right. so he ended up leaving after that, and he was replaced right away by somebody. A frontman from a group called the Iron Kite. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that guy was replaced by another young guitarist. So I, I guess I could go on and on with yeah, these yeah, switches yeah. because there's just so much these days. There's only one guy, and that's pretty much the person that I'm talking about today. He's the sole okay. survivor of this band. Yeah, among between all these switches and the replacements, so mm. which one is TJ talking about? This is a myth. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? So yeah, their third album, and hopefully this should be a pretty big clue, was called Romantic Night mm. and was not released until June 2008. They lost another band member and the group went down to a four-member group. Um, their fourth album, which is called Thorn, was an album that was released in 2013. And just to give you guys a little bit more of a hint here, this artist went on his solo career and in late 2018 he released an album called One Moment alright okay and uh, also this album explored his uh, dual identity as a musician and a visual artist and he delved into themes such as death and industrial metal which is well I guess if you're like a continuing that path of rock that's probably yeah 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 that's probably the direction it's you're gonna end up pretty standard yeah and then uh, this last album that I find kind of interesting the title of it is it's called What that's all that's all it's just <laughs> called what <laughs> so i question some of the uh, inspiration of some of these artists but anyway that's pretty much it i guess he got married and they did a biopic of his uh, relationship and i guess it's um the the biopic has his name in it so i can't really say the name of it but it's called something something's choice that's the name of the biopic of his kind of relationship so um, no scandals there, nothing shady there, just a normal love life. Well, yeah, that's that's pretty much it for for this guy and this band. And I, I think for hardcore fans out there, this might have been enough information in terms of who yeah, it is. I think you've got to be a hardcore fan <laughs> on these bands. <laughs> I don't know. So I guess, Yunchi, that brings me to the end of my uh, trivia here. I'm hoping that at the end of this, you something tr- jogs your memory. I mean, right, if you had yeah. a guess. The only clue I think I have 
is the one um, the first something something a uh, rock band in China? Okay, the first heavy metal. Oh, heavy metal or okay. first rock band in China? Yeah, so it's gotta be either Hei Bao, uh, Black Panther band, or Tang Chao band. Okay, and I think you're looking for the name of the musicians here, right? I am. Yeah, I think the answer I can give you is only the the band's name. It's called Tang Chao. Tang Chao Band. Okay, I'm hoping that you could give me a name. Yeah, but I think that's as far as I can go. <laughs> okay, you don't know anyone's name from the bands, huh? No, unfortunately. <laughs> but is it the one, the singer for 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 this band or some other bands? Well, you are correct, Yunji. It is actually. The Tang Dynasty, right?、Oh. This is the name of the band in English. Right, Tang Dynasty, and the artist's name is Ding Wu.、Mm. All right.、Okay. So Ding Wu is a Chinese musician best known as the lead vocalist and rhythm guitarist of the seminal progressive metal band Tang Dynasty, largely regarded as China's first metal band. His distinct wailing and falsetto draws influences from Beijing opera, and his band sound is part progressive rock and artistic metal, and part traditional Chinese vocal technique. The lyrical poetry and musical arrangements in their music date back to the glorious days of ancient Chinese civilization, in particular the art and cultural epitome of Chinese history. And you're right, actually, he was one of the founders of Black Panther, and he was replaced、oh, by、okay. Dou Wei. Yeah. Wow, we have a connection. <laughs> yeah, I guess we own that IP, Black Pan- Black Panther, <laughs>、right. because that predates the. The Marvel superhero movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. the、uh, The comic book started way、oh, back. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The, the movies are recent. <laughs> right, the right. movie is recent. Yeah, I got a track to share from this artist. A track from their debut album called "A Dream Back to the Tang Dynasty." Check it out.
花不见，喝酒，杯咖啡泡入喧嚣的庭院。你坐在日坛膜拜古人月亮，开元盛世令人神往。
I mean, in the States, we call it classic rock or whatever. It has this, um, right. it's not the same, but it's like like Twisted Sister and Pink Floyd and, you know, these kinds of guys. Right, I don't know. hear that type of sound in the Mendel pop world because it's mostly the sad, sentimental ballads mm, that are mm. popular here. Yeah, yeah, especially yeah. during that time. So yeah, man, why don't we get cracking with your musician? You say this person, I know this person, so I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to... Uh... <laughs> so you're going to be waiting, like uh, eagerly, thirstily waiting for the the clue. That yes, gives sir. You, gives you the tipping. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Right, but before we go, this guy, he is definitely very big. He's the only three-time inductee to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Three-time, huh? Yeah, the only three-time inductee. Okay. Right, and but... This guy, he has lived quite an, I wouldn't say an unfortunate life, but a life filled with unfortunate events. And we're going to start from his family, and that's fact number one. This guy is born in England uh, to a mother, 16-year-old, and his father was a 25-year-old soldier from Montreal, Quebec. Okay, so young parents. Right, and according to Today.com, his father was actually drafted to war before his birth. And then after the war, he returned to Canada. So this artist, he grew up with his grandparents. And Mm. he was believing that his grandmother and her second husband were his parents. And that his mother was actually his older sister. Hmm. And several years later, his mother married another Canadian soldier and then moved to Germany. So leaving him with his grandparents in the UK. Well, so she just kind of shipped him off to grandparents right. and then so never his, took care of him. Yeah, so he grew up believing that the grandparents were his parents. And then it actually just went that way. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, normally parents do that because they are maybe they're struggling. They're trying to get themselves on their feet. And then once they get on their feet, they go back and they retrieve their child. But she just never came back. She just married somebody else and moved on with their life. I know the fa- I know for a fact that the father never, never went back. But I, I don't know if the mother later came back to him. But mm. I'm but, wondering if uh, Original parents were married because sometimes with the soldiers they're just kind of you know all over the place. Yeah, yeah, that's the I think that's the case for his father. Okay. Yeah, because um, so I have another source here. That's like years later in 2007. That's probably by the time that he this artist is already 50 or 60 years old. Hmm. Um, and according to Ottawa Citizen. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a Montreal journalist that researched Canadian Armed Forces Service records and tracked down the father and learned that his father was also a musician that plays piano and saxophone, and he was also a lifelong drifter who married several times, had several children, mm. and he apparently never knew that he was the father of this greatest artist. Okay, so yeah. that makes a little bit of sense. So that's the story for his family, and now we are moving to fact number two. This artist is a kind of close friend and looked up to Jimi Hendrix. Okay. And so uh, this is still, we are in the category of his unfortunate life events. Um, In 1970, that was the one day before Hendrix's death, uh, this artist had actually purchased a left-handed Fender guitar that he was going to give Hendrix for his birthday. Mm. And then the second day, he learned that Jimi Hendrix passed away. And this artist was devastated by the death. Okay, because they probably have met up and performed together at some point, right? Right. 
And okay. I'm, I will be onto that story, that section later. <laughs> in later, good call. Okay, I <laughs> okay. think I might know who it is. Yeah, it looks like TJ <laughs> already has a clue. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I picked the I picked a good lead. And according to his autobiography,、uh, he also lost a beloved a fellow guitarist that he played with.、Mm. Um, and that artist, that guitarist, died in a motorcycle accident in 1971. The guitarist is called Dwayne Allman.、Mm. And the artist wrote in his autobiography that he and Allman were inseparable, and he referred to Allman as the musical brother. That he never had, but he wished he did.、Mm. And in 1990, his fellow blues guitarist Stevie Ray Vaughan was touring with him. And、uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, with three other members of the Road Crew, they were killed in a helicopter crash between concerts. Wow. And last but not least, another tragic footnote was the drummer named Jim Gordon. And according to BestClassicBands.com. The drummer had undiagnosed schizophrenia. Schizophrenia, yeah. And years later, the drummer murdered his mother、mm. during a psychotic episode. Yeah, that's a serious condition. Right, especially、um, when it's undiagnosed. Yes, especially when it's un- that's that, that's the angle that I was heading towards. You know, I mean, with the proper medication, it can be manageable in some people. But yeah, when it's undiagnosed, it's very dangerous, and that's and that's、uh, why that's, that's it caused that tragedy of of the mother. Yeah, yeah. So the drummer was confined to a 16 years to life imprisonment, and later. Moved to a mental institution where the drummer still remains today. Sure. Well, so that's so much for the unfortunate events for these artists. We're gonna move on to the fortunate part. Are you sure that there's that's it? I think there that, might be some more. There is actually one more because I said it last but not least, and I'm saving the okay <laughs> the very important <laughs> the very important fact for for the ending. All right. I think TJ already knows. <laughs>、uh, if you're gonna be able to guess what tragedy entails. Mm. I'm gonna give you a double points for that. Okay, all right. I mean now. No, no, no I'm、you、gonna save for later. I'm gonna save it. Yeah, so of course. <laughs> okay. okay, now we're gonna we are at fact number three. Um, so now we're at the year 2009, and this is after this artist accumulated his fame and wealth. And according to Surrey Life magazine, so the magazine ranked him as number. Seventeen in their list of richest Surrey residents. L- richest what? Richest Surrey residents. Residents in Surrey. Surrey. What is that? It's a city in UK. In the UK. Okay, that's why.、Okay. Surrey. Yeah, that's why you never heard yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Americans never usually don't know about the <laughs> the surroundings with the whereabouts outside of America. <laughs> that's、uh, not true. China? Where is that? Uh, uh, South America. Okay. Yeah. But, it's got a, it's got America in it, so we know that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, richest、uh, resident in Surrey, and estimating his fortune at 120 million pounds in assets.、Hmm. Well, it's a combination of income, property, a nine million pound yacht, and、uh, nice. his back music catalog, his touring income, and his holding company called Marshbrook Limited. That sounds like a really nice yacht. I'd love、nine、to be on that、pounds. yacht. I know. You're allowed to be on that, right? Oh man, that sounds like party、uh, of the maybe century. After, maybe after this episode, and he and he. Listen to this one, and he's gonna invite us over. I don't、party. know, maybe not. And according to This Week in Motors, since the 1970s, the artist also considered himself as a car enthusiast, and and 
often stated his passion for the Ferrari brand, and in yeah, 2012, like most big shots, yeah, Ferrari honored him with the one-off special project car. It's called Ferrari SP12EC. I don't know what that means, but it's yeah, neither what's... do I. Sounds very expensive and very fast. You don't need a serial number. You just need Ferrari something something to know it's expensive. <laughs> right, right. And that was fact number three. Now number four. We are back a little bit to、uh, the unfortunate part. So he's this artist has had a bit of a personal problem. For a while,、uh, this is according to Omnibus Press.、Uh, okay, personal problem meaning rock stars, substance abuse. Yes. Yeah, you, you you can call it. A lot of those guys like self medicate. You know, they get in that that lifestyle. Right. So these artists' career successes in the 1970s they were in stark contrast with the struggles that he coped with his in his personal life.、Uh, so he was troubled by romantic longings. Sure. A problem for most. Celebrities and drug and alcohol addiction. Right. But for a long time, he withdrew from recording and touring to isolation to his residence in Surrey. And yeah, yeah that that unknown place in in the UK, right? <laughs> It's actually quite known, but <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna ask our audience from Surrey to <laughs> send some letters to、uh, threatening letters to TJ, <laughs> right? But so it was during this time, yeah, he was. This resulted in the lengthy career hiatus,、mm. but interrupted only by performing for. A Bangladesh benefit shows in New York in the 1971, and、mm. actually during the performance he passed out on stage. Wow! And he was revived and managed to finish his performance. The same performance he's revived right there.、Huh? Yeah, like I'm gonna take a nap and a break,、uh, <laughs> and then after that I'm gonna continue my performance. That's I guess that venue was not allowing that to interrupt their schedule. I guess right. And、uh, he actually called his manager and admitting that he was an alcoholic.、Mm. Right, and、uh, he. Flew to treatment center in Minnesota. Okay. For rehabilitation. Yeah. And actually, on the flight over, he indulged in a large number of drinks because he was fearing that he was not going to get them. <laughs> In the future,、so、he was binge drinking. It's like one last, the one、yeah. last thing I'm, I'm gonna enjoy and, and indulge. And he did go back to the treatment center again in 1987.、Mm. But after that, he stayed sober ever since. Oh, wow, that's that's good. I, I think again, these guys they have they experience the extremes of life, and you know, again, some, some of us don't really know what that feels like. It's kind of hard to understand. It's very difficult to live with、uh, compliments, people. Admiration, this attention, yeah, and、uh, I think for celebrities, expectations, it's、right? it's extra. They are like receiving probably a million times than we would have in our normal daily lives. Sure, yeah, we might get carried away with a simple compliment from or admiration from a certain individual. Yeah,、and、not to say for them, they they are like、uh, they are admired, worshipped by millions. That's right of people. And now let's move on to fact number four. And now we are gonna be tapping into the two famous bands that he played with. All right. And the first one, I'm not, I'm not gonna say the name, but the first band has an animal in the name. 
Okay. okay, specifically the poetry. Okay. Okay. So he joined the band in 1963. So it's a blues-influenced rock and roll band, and he stayed there for about two years. So during this time, he was synthesizing influences from Chicago blues and leading blues guitarists such as Freddie King, BB King, and that's when he forged a distinctive personal style and rapidly became one of the most talked-about guitarists in the British music scene.、Hmm. In according to Wikipedia, the reason of why this band f- fell apart is that in 1965 the band had their first major hit, which turned to a tragedy.、Uh, the song is called "For Your Love," and in part because of the song's success, the band chose to move toward a more pop-oriented path. Mm. And which was opposed to this artist who was devoted to the blues and not commercial success.、Mm. And it was on the day that this song "For Your Love" went public, he left the band. Oh wow! Okay, interesting. And he joined some other bands later, only to quit just to stay for a few months. And now we are moving to fact number six. This is the second, probably the most、uh, well-known band that he stayed with. This band's name is a dairy product. Uh, a dairy product. A dairy product. Okay, I'm gonna. I think it's. I, I should probably uncover the name. The name. These names at the end of the. I'm just、episode. thinking about yogurt or cheese right now. <laughs> I'm just like,、oh, I don't think. Yeah, I don't, don't recall of any. Doesn't sound like something very bluesy. Uh, no, not quite. So he was invited by the drummer called Ginger Baker to play in this newly formed band. Yeah, it's actually one of the earliest. Supergroups, and according to CheatSheet.com,、mm-hmm. Jimi Hendrix. This is the time when Jimi Hendrix was involved. So he was introduced to the band and to I think somewhere in 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 the UK to join one of their gigs. And、mm. the drummer Ginger Baker, he didn't want to risk the band's gig by having an unknown guitarist play alone with him. So he insisted that this artist to stay on the stage while Hendrix was playing in case something that went wrong.、Mm. But actually, during the gig session,、um, so it's he knocked it out of the park actually. Is his performance? Is that an expression for like a killing, slaying the slaying the show? Yeah, like everyone was like, "Wow," because of his、yep. his ability. Yeah. Yep. That's what that's what happened. So according to Chas Chandler, so it's the bass player from another band who arranged the meetup between them. So he was saying that this artist stood on the stage and his hands dropped off the guitar. In shock, and immediately went went to the backstage for a smoke. <laughs> and within a week, this artist had his hair frizzed like、uh, Hendrix's, like Hendrix's、uh, hairstyle,、mm. the curly. Okay. Freeze the hair. So he got、out. it permed or whatever. Yeah, so yeah permed or freeze. And、uh, so whenever he had a spare moment, he would be going over to their flat and to spend time and to hang out with Hendrix.、Mm. Yeah. So Hendrix's arrival had a significant influence. Effect, influence. Yeah. On, on the next phase of this artist, he influenced、career. everybody, and Jimi Hendrix was、uh, a marvel at that time. Yeah. That's right. And now we are at the very last fact. Number seven, which is, is the most probably the most well-known unfortunate event from this artist、mm-hmm. that introduced him to us. So this is in 1991. This artist's four-year-old son, Connor, 
fell from the 53rd floor window of his、mm. mother's friend's apartment in New York City and died. So this artist, after isolating himself for a period, the artist began working again, and his grief was expressed in a song co-written by Will Jennings. And this song won three Grammy Awards for Best Male Pop Vocal Performance, Song of the Year, and Record of the Year at the 35th Annual Grammy Awards. Would you know my name <laughs> if I saw you in heaven? Right. Sorry for the laugh, but I actually I need to apologize for ending the story with such a tragic note because I, I believe this story, this part of this event, is probably the most well-known part that introduced this song. Sure, to most people. Sure, sure. I mean that's really what stuck with me throughout the years about this artist, and it's of course it's the story, and that's something that I think that we like to share. Yeah, remember that's the first guitar song you practiced with. Right, right, and it's um I think it's the stories that really stick with us. You know, even though some of Of these artists have really difficult incidents that happen in their lives. It's those incidents that we remember the most, and when we hear the music, you know their words resonate with us a lot. And that, and that particular song, you know, would you know my name if、right. I saw you in heaven? You know, because the, the child was really young, so it was like it's really hard to know if his son would even remember who he was or forgive him. I think that that was also a song、um, trying to express, you know, his guilt and hoping that maybe somehow he would be forgiven for his、uh, neglect. Or you know the mistake, right? So it's a yeah, it's a really heartfelt song. One of my personal favorites, and yeah, when I go to KTV, I, I normally, <laughs> you know, sing that song. So, what was your first clue from the from the facts?、Uh, just the fact that、uh, oh, geez, I think it was the Jimi Hendrix reference when you said that he performed with Jimi Hendrix,、mm. and I knew right then and there I was like, huh. Okay, and this guy's from England. There must be plenty of、like, people that played with Jimi Hendrix. There were, but you said that this guy was inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame three so, times, yeah, and so I was so like, okay, big, so he must be a, a guitarist. And he's from England, and he played with Jimi Hendrix, and just my mind went to this guy. Right. And, okay. Yeah. So I was just like,、mm, it's got to be Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton, it is. I was going to say before announcing the name, I'm gonna uncover the names of the, of those two bands that he was involved with. <laughs> so the first band is called the Yachtbirds. Never heard of it. Poultry. Never heard of the it. The second one is come on, expand your imagination. There are more products than just、uh, yogurt and、uh, and milk. Blue cheese. Cream. Okay. Cream. Oh.、Uh, the name of the second band. Okay. And not the Wu Tang Cream. Cash rules everything around me, but、um, the cream. Okay. So <laughs> right. So this artist is, of course, Eric Clapton, three-time, only three-time inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So he is an English rock and blues guitarist, singer, and songwriter, Grammy Awards recipient for 18 times, and he's regarded as one of the most successful and influential guitarists in rock music. And the first <laughs> song will definitely be "Tears in Heaven."、Mm. And that will be followed by a lesser-known one, but actually my favorite more than the first one. It's a song called "Wonderful Tonight." And if you remember that photo of me busking in the UK with the two ladies dancing in front of me, okay, that "Wonderful Tonight" was actually the song that they were dancing to. Oh, somehow I thought you were going to recommend. If I could change the world. Well, if we have time, let's play that one. <laughs> 
That song's kind of cool too. That was that Let's song was up. at least that one was really big in the U.S. But um, okay, uh, this will be a first listen for me. I'm not sure if I've heard this song. Wonderful Maybe tonight. I have, but um, I guess when I hear the melody, I'll definitely know. Yeah, resist the temptation to slow dance with your uh, lady or yeah. your man. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But we're going to go ahead, before we get to those tracks, we're going to go ahead and call it for this particular episode. For those of you joining us, be sure to check out another episode of Pop News for another interesting and revealing trivia. I'm TJ Reed. And it's your boy, Vinci here. <laughs> Take it easy, folks. We will see you next time. See ya.